0: really only this moment belongs to me. This moment right now that I'm having this conversation belongs to me, the minute behind me and the minute in front of me belongs to God.
1: I'm Tanya, and you're listening to Season 2 of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Eliezer and Rachi Shemtov in honor of the 10th yard side of Rachi's father, Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Chetrik. He was chassid, a Talmud Chacham, and a philanthropist. And in each of these roles, he inspired hundreds of people to be more, to learn more, and to give more, may all the learning done through today's episode cause an aliyah for his neshama. Thank you, Eliezer and Rachi, for making today's episode happen. If you would like to sponsor an episode or become a paying subscriber of the podcast, please visit the link in the show notes, Patreon.com/slash Human and Holy, or email us at, humanandholy at gmail.com. In today's episode, I speak with Eliza felick about the muscles we build over time that help us stay present with God in our more challenging moments. Through a miraculous outcome of unexpected complications during the birth of her baby, Aliza speaks about surrendering the future to God and fully owning our headspace in each present moment. Hi,
0: I'm Aliza. I am a mother of seven children. I live in Coconut Grove, Florida. And I'm actually a a not banyal practitioner. I do not practice at the moment because I'm choosing to raise my children. But that's something that I am certified in. And that's it. I'm a mom.
1: I want to just open by saying that someone messaged me on instagram months ago and said i listened to the podcast and a lot of people on the podcast have seemed to talk about how they speak to hashem and they have this relationship with hashem how does one go about having hashem in their lives in that way that you speak to him that you talk to him that he's present with you in your life not just as a concept but as something that is really real and i have a sense that this conversation might answer that question for people to really witness someone. You mentioned to me that you've been hunting down God for years. And I really feel like we're really just going to be speaking about a human being, seeking out God in their lives, what it looked like for you to find him in certain ways, what it looks like for you to speak with him, engage with him. And I think that's going to be really precious for us to hear. So thank you. If you could just begin by sharing a little bit about your story. What came to
0: me right when you were talking was something that happened to me actually last night. So I'm going to share that with you and then I can tell you the story. So last night, I had a thought. I believe that the relationship with Hashem can be modeled off of any human relationship. So in this context, this with my husband where I witnessed something with him that I was really appreciating deeply. And then I recorded it, but I wanted to stay in the moment. So I don't want to say anything. I was appreciating something and I was feeling it. And then this morning I told it to him and he looked at me and he's like, you know, I really appreciate that you just told me that because I don't always know what you're thinking. And I just appreciate that you said it. Cause I you know, he needs to see himself in my eyes. Right. I realized in that moment, like this is what my relationship with Hashem is, is that Tyra and Mitzvahs, we have to do them, right? And the action is what matters. So I can sit in the romance of experiencing my husband, but if he doesn't know
1: Mm.
0: what I was thinking, then it's here, it's up here. It's not grounded in this world, which my mind is going into like, like here, in this world, we have to have a relationship with Hashem. It's not like an esoteric thing. It's an actual. So a relationship means that I show up to the relationship with all of who I am, undefined in my wholeness, not being ashamed to say what I want, what I am looking for, not be ashamed to admit guilt, you know, just real, honest intimacy with God. That's the first thing
1: that came to mind. I love that. I love how you said that, that you could be basking in the romance of like a relationship experience and never once verbalize to the other person how you're seeing them and what you're experiencing. And then it's not a relationship. It's really just about your experience of joy or pleasure from this person. But then when you're able to reciprocate that by giving that feedback, it's so special. And that's that's a beautiful imagery for our relationships with Hashem. I like that a lot. Okay, so tell us your story.
0: Okay, so my baby was due. I went into labor. This is my seventh child, my latest baby. Her name is Perry, Perl Razel Braha. Beautiful. And I went into labor with her three weeks early. When I went into labor, I had been anticipating this last three weeks, because I have seven kids, so I have like I have labor under my belt, but not really. To Prepare myself with breath work and all of that to have her. Hold on, Tonya, I'm like so emotional. One second,
1: (laughs) so emotional. I'm actually in the room that it happened. Like this is where it happened. Wow. So it's like okay, let me. Oh wow, that's really intense. Yeah, really intense. I
0: I have to like get grounded. I went into labor three weeks early with my baby, and I was in shock. Like I was just. In shock, and I remember, okay, I'm in labor. And I, my baby previously, the baby before this baby was born 17 months earlier. So I had done a lot of prep work. It was the first time I have a home birth. This was my second home birth that I was doing, and I had done a lot of prep work with that baby that I was sort of like pulling in that information, that remembering into this labor just because I was waiting f- to prepare myself for this labor. With the last three weeks, I was going to squeeze in that time. I'm laying in the bath and I'm in shock and I'm accessing this old information and I'm looking at my toes and I'm trying to breathe and stay present to what's happening to me and I'm literally there's a part of me that's in shock like oh my god I can't believe this is happening I can't believe this is happening and then I'm looking at my toes and I'm trying to remember my last labor and I'm trying to bring in like this heavy deep breathing and rainbow breath and I'm looking at my toes and I'm going like green yellow and all of a sudden this imagery starts like forming in my mind of the letters of Hashem's name. And I was very, very present to this labor. Like I was very in my body in this experience. And I was like, okay, the onset of the labor became a Yud, the beginning. And then my belly grew into a hay. I was seeing this in my mind's eye. Yeah. My belly grew into a hay, my vaginal canal was above, and then the opening on the bottom was a hay. But I'm seeing this in my mind's eye, and I'm experiencing it, and I'm in deep, deep pain. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is what it, this all means. I've been learning Hashem is with me in my pain. Like, this is a partnership. Hashem is here. And it's so hard for me to tell the story. The part that's so hard for me is that it was an experience. The verbal part is it's an avida to get there, you know, to share what happened. So it was this experience of God being there in my body with me in my pain. And then this midwife that I work with comes and it's, I'm at the end of labor and it's very clear. I say to her, do you want to check me? My husband, it all happened very fast. My husband asks her if she wants to check me and she's like, no, 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 you're ready to go. Like you're ready to push. It's time. She's looking at me and I push and I look down and I feel something. And I'm like, this is not familiar. And I look down and I see little legs and I'm like, what? Okay. Like I'm breathing. I can feel in my body that I let the baby out. So it's done in my body. I can feel it right away. She says, Aliza, we need to get Aliza out of the bath. So I get out of the bath and I'm very calm. And I know the head's not out, but my body feels like it expelled the baby already. Like I can feel that finish. Okay. And she looks at Getsy. I hear her say, call the paramedics, call rescue. And I hear Getsy on the phone with the paramedics. And I'm in this moment and I'm (laughs) literally like, I look down and I remember I said to her, she was very calm and I was very calm. She said, Aliza, I need another push, very assertively. She's like, I need another push. And I knew I could feel that my body was done. And I I like close my eyes and I'm like, oh my God, this is the moment that I'm supposed to like derail and get afraid, Hashem. And I'm looking down and I'm like, I'm surrendered to this reality, whatever this is. And I see her body, you know, I'm surrendered to this reality, whatever it is it is. And I also know that I'm safe the precision of this moment was like drawing on every single resource of my work previously to this moment. Like I had almost worked up to this, everything in my life to this moment. And she just came out. I pushed and she came out. It was like a short period of time, maybe seven, eight minutes. And then it was very quick. And then she was fine. She's healthy. She's alive and healthy. And what happened the next day was that the midwife who I worked with, she came to my house and she told me her side of the story. The baby had a head entrapment. And the problem with a footling breach is that the head can get entrapped. That's the fear of a footling breach. She comes the next day and she says she had never delivered a footling breach. The fear of flipping is that there's head entrapment. And that's exactly what happened. She says to me, Aliza, when I come into a delivery on my way, when I'm driving to a delivery, I check my ego out at the door. Like I go through this process of God working through me. Talk about Biddle, But, wow. you know, God working through me. And she just goes with the flow. She said she had to like re-engage with that part of herself because she got fearful. And she, in her mind... She was having her own experience that she's telling me. In her mind, asked God to work through her because she had never done this before. And she sees the head entrapment. And she, while I was ha- taking that moment to talk to God, I felt like a lot of movement. She had stuck her finger into my baby's mouth and pinned her head to her neck, I guess, like that. Um. And dragged, like helped her out as that last contraction came, which was when I was done talking to God and the baby came out. She later on Googled how to deliver a footling breach. And exactly what she did, she had done. And she asked Hashem to work through her. And she also said to the baby, this is what she was telling me. She said to the baby, can I have your foot? She said, first the feet came out and she didn't see the hands. Like every limb came out one by one, which I didn't really experience from my side, but she asked for a hand and she got a hand. She asked for another hand and she got another hand. And then the baby came out. What I really was noticing in this whole story was how, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. We can see Hashem's hand when we look back behind us. And there were little miracles within the miracle that created this miracle. For example, the baby's head was down the whole time. I had missed two appointments because my husband broke his hand and because we went on vacation. She said to me, she's like, oh, these, I never don't check somebody. Like, I don't know why I said no. Me and Getzi, both, me and my husband, both asked, do you want to check me? She couldn't legally continue to if she had checked me. Okay. That was number one. Number two, she didn't know that the baby was breached. It was three weeks. That was the morning of me switching from it being legal to be in a home versus she would have to send me to a hospital if I went into labor. It was on that day. The baby was early. So she was small enough that this didn't get more complicated. Little miracles within miracles. It was so amazing to witness the magnitude of this as it happened, like how orchestrated it was. And I, I don't believe this is unique. I think if we look at all the parts of our lives, this is how Hashem operates and we just have to hunt it out. The Rebbe always says with fleshy eyes, like I can see it. I could taste it. I could touch it. It's not a spiritual thing and it's not polyannic either. It's, it's real and believing and, asking God to show us with our own physical eyes that it's good, right? The after effects of this brought on a whole nother set of fears. Like when this story happened, I had like three weeks postpartum of like reliving what could have happened. I don't want to like pretend the story's wrapped up in a bow of like superhuman story. No, it's a real story. There was a lot of fear, surrounding the story afterwards, it's a human story. I was facing that part of myself that was afraid of the miracle that just happened. Oh, interesting! <laughs> like confronting that. And I'm not here to promote home birth. I don't believe that. I believe that everybody does what they need to do. But when we make choices for ourselves, oftentimes we run into people and situations that try to walk us off our own tree. And the experience that I had was with my last baby, I had made the choice to have a home birth and I kept it very close to my heart because I didn't want to be swayed from my decision. So I didn't really tell a lot of people, but I ended up telling somebody who responded by telling me a a really bad story. And I got stuck in this like carousel in my head of getting angry at the person for telling me the story. Like, here I am bearing my soul to you that I'm having home birth and you tell me a story that's negative. Like, what were you thinking? And the way that it came about was that she said, don't tell my sister. Cause my sister witnessed a very bad story happening. And I'm thinking, don't tell your sister. What about me? Like I'm doing this. And I got so scared, but I kept on blaming her and getting stuck in this tangle of this person telling me the story. I called somebody who's like a mentor of mine to help me see what this story is for me. And she said, Aliza, I want you to thank this girl for mirroring to you this little fear that you have inside of you. And I want you to say, thank you for showing me that I still have fear for making this choice, but that's not my story and it's not going to be my story. We have a choice to become a victim of my fears and a victim of my Headspace. I couldn't really do this on my own in the moment because I was so triggered and I was so fight or flight. You know, I was getting angry at her. I was blaming a person for telling me a story, which is not you know, helpful. And I knew that it was wrong, but I couldn't get out of it. And she helped me see what it was. And what I had to do post baby also was confront this human mind thought train or carousel or whatever. Sometimes it's a train. Sometimes it's a carousel for me and go walk myself off of it. And
1: that's my story. I want to revisit that moment for a second when you saw the foot come out and you were speaking to Hashem and talking to him through this experience. I liked how you said my entire life prepared me for this moment because there's so much that we learn and even just like for the birth you were speaking about the breath work and the but then in chasadis and torah there's so many concepts that we learn and then when we're faced with this challenge where something looks like it's about to go really badly to be able to like stop in that moment and to really like look hashem in the eye and say you're here with me i trust you and it's going to be good Can you walk us through that a little bit? Was there a conscious decision that you made? Was it sort of like the moment carried you and you had this adrenaline of trust? What was that like? I love that you said that after the birth, that feeling went away only because I think that similar to the way that in a really challenging situation, we sort of step up and then afterwards we have to process it. And process that implicit trust we had when we're like, but it could have gone so badly. Yeah. So there's above nature and then we have to draw it back down into our lives. So tell us about that moment a little bit. How did that happen?
0: I don't think it happened at all. Like in the moment of adrenaline, I feel like there was so much hard work put in. I had been learning Shara Bittachan and Sternigansberg's book, Your Awesome Self, every single morning for seven years, over and over and over again with others like and not, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like not taking these concepts on in a major way, but really meditating and applying little by little into my life in little moments of seeing Hashem in the moment, like even something so simple, I would be sitting at my garage and it's not opening and I'm like jamming the button and I'm like, cause Hashem's got this like just little 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 Mm. things of building up this and I call it a muscle because I don't know how else to call it of building a relationship with Hashem it's not an aggressive experience it's almost a feeling in my body of being a vessel versus being proactive it's like receiving receiving God it's a feeling in my body that I worked at over time and there's like a hunting down, which is a proactive experience, but the actual experience of God it feels to me like a receiving experience. The feeling in my body is like a surrender almost, right. I would say receipt, surrender. I don't, it's hard to put words to feelings, you know, yeah. but that's very much what my experience was. And it, it was little, 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 bits that I had been working towards a relationship with God.
1: It's really beautiful. I would love if you could share another small example where you've worked towards that relationship with Hashem, where you've welcomed him and chosen to engage with him when it wasn't necessarily the obvious or instinctive choice.
0: Let's look at the story post the story where my fears came up of what could have happened, right? Even the Handing that over to God is a process because that's what happens to me is that really only this moment belongs to me. This moment right now that I'm having this conversation belongs to me. The minute behind me and the minute in front of me belongs to God. And anytime I engage in that space, I'm working out of like my own human faculties which is important to use our human faculties in a healthy way. For me personally, the trigger that happened was I have a child of special needs who was also born three weeks early. So wow. that was coming up for me post this baby, which also I felt like Hashem gave me this ability to re-engage with something. I don't like, I'm not going to sit here and explain why, I don't know why God does what he does. I don't know why one child has special needs. That's part of our journey here and all of that. But I was in my experience, my journey of life, I was given two scenarios to engage with that were similar and had very different results. And I had to come back and re-experience the, having a baby three weeks early, that's healthy and own it and accept it and not get afraid and start looking for problems to show up. Cause that's kind of what happened. Like I started getting afraid of a repeat of my previous story. Just knowing that this moment is mine, nothing behind me, nothing in front of me is mine.
1: That is the most powerful thing because the anxiety that we have about the future or the regret that we have about the past. All of those things are pretty much insignificant because there's nothing we can do really to interact with them. And the only thing we can do is like, as you said, this moment.
0: That brings me into the concept of Bishvili Nibrahailam, which I feel like that has been something that I've always paid attention to. I wasn't the best student, but that stuck with me because Bishfili Nivra Island means like every single moment that I engage in God's world has a space for me to illuminate. We have an obligation to do this work, to illuminate ourselves, to illuminate and uplift every minute of our experience. And it's a trick because we also have to own our setbacks, not with guilt, but with the next minute to show up
1: in a different way. Interesting. It's like the past is only significant in the way that it allows us to show better in the future. Yeah. It, but not it, if it, it becomes us. like that. Right. It teaches us. But not when it becomes that mind carousel that you're describing. Oh. I think that what's really powerful is that when we take ownership, it's really a paradox. So we're taking that ownership, but what we're essentially doing really is surrendering to the fact that Hashem is in charge of the outcome of whatever we're giving him. So this moment is my responsibility, but the outcome is not.
0: Yeah. I love how you said that also. Yes. It's beautiful. And also behind us is Hashem's also. I can sit and blame myself for things that happened in the past, which can sound holy in a certain way, but it's really not because that's also God's. Once it's behind me, it's God's.
1: That's so congruent with what we learn, which is that even when you're doing teshuva, it was supposed to happen. It's considered to be like a after the fact. Right. It's really important to recognize the distinction. In the moment, your choice is not a shkakha It's a choice. Yeah. And then when it's finished, it was supposed to happen.
0: What really taught me a lot about this story with my baby was that this was a big moment in my life because it was my baby. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I had that adrenaline. But then I realized I can apply this everywhere in my life everywhere and to start chipping at that even though I was chipping at it before but it was like very obvious to me like oh all of a sudden i'm deep breathing you know yeah staying present and recognizing god in our experience should be there every day
1: ah uh. You know why it's so beautiful because a lot of what you're talking about is so helpful to people in a state of emergency when everything is hitting the fan. And the only way to access that in a state of emergency is if we're able to access that on a daily basis. And if we're able to lean into it constantly when there's not so much at stake.
0: Yeah. And it's really, when we think about the big parts of our life, it gets really, how do you clean for Pesach? Like you do little by little, you know? Mm -hmm. I would say to breathe, learn how to breathe and self-regulate because through our emotions, our emotions come, everything comes, the overwhelm in our lives comes. A regular day, getting dinner on the table can be overwhelming some days, you know, but learning how to breathe and something that I like wrote recently, and I really realized it, I started with such an aha moment was Adam and Chava, they did not sin with their nose. It was their one sense that they did not sin with. So our access to pure godliness is our breath. Like we welcome in Hashem into our being through our breath. And something that really brought me to that moment was learning how to deep diaphragm breathe. It's literally pure, unadulterated
1: godliness. Wow. Hashem breathed life into Adam and yeah that's and they didn't send with their nose that's a really interesting parallel and you really feel that pure sense of reconnection to the world to Hashem in that moment when you're able to come back into yourself yeah I really think that like the crux of what you're sharing there's there's taking ownership over the moment that you're in really deciding how you want to show up to your life even when Your garage garage door is damned. How can we welcome Hashem into that relationship that you paralleled in the beginning to the relationship with your husband of really acknowledging him, sharing how we're feeling, trusting him. What are tips you have for having that type of relationship where he's present and he's there in the room with whatever you're going through?
0: Some of my tips would be making a little bit of time a day, a little bit davening. For women, committing yourself to that much amount of time, our Advaita Hashem is like literally changing a baby's diaper, serving dinner to our kids. But to consciously do what we do, I'm not saying not to daven, I'm saying to consciously do what we do with the mindfulness of this is part of my relationship with God. Mundane things. We're all doing mundane things. Sometimes we're taking a walk with our baby. But to take a minute, two minutes, to start building that process With God. That's whatever in anybody's specific context, they can bring that in. Then, number two, another thing I would say is breathing. I know I said it before, but really learning how to breathe properly to self regulate is something I think was very helpful for me to bring me to that moment. And I want to say this is an ongoing struggle, these are ongoing experiences for me personally. I know that there's a concept that the Rebbe spoke about on Chaf Chasnisa, and that was Gugula Pneumius, where we each have a responsibility to bring Mashiach for ourselves. And bringing Mashiach for ourselves means welcoming God into my personal life, which means facing all my patterns that are not helpful for myself and fears for myself, for my family. It means looking at them, just taking our eyes and looking at them. And we all have struggles. Nobody's comfortable anymore in Gaulas, unfortunately. I mean, fortunately, thank God, because now we're all like the Rebbe said, you need to want it. Yearn, yearn for your Gawla. I want to yearn for my Gawla. It's so easy in today's climate to like distract ourselves from our own pain or our own needs and really welcoming Hashem into those moments is something that I heard that the Baal Shem Tov said that when B'nai Israel left Mitzrayim, they had to look, it says that they had to look back. We have to take a look internally at ourselves and then take responsibility and bring God in. And it's actually, it's a win-win situation. This is what we're told by the Rebbe, there's Mashiach on the other side of this, but we all have to want it personally. And I saw this video this year by Chav Nisan where this woman's crying to the Rebbe. She's like, Rebbe, I need you to bring the Mashiach. And the Rebbe like looks at her dead straight. And he's like, you need to bring it and you need to bring it and you need to bring it and you need to bring it. And I was like, this is it. We all have to show up. And it's a responsibility, not in a scary way. Like I really believe in an all loving God. He just wants a relationship with us. Like there's this saying now, you know, like I just want to feel seen. That's what God wants from us, right? Just to feel seen
1: and show up. Oh, well, that's very interesting. That's a good point. I like how you actually kept coming back to the breath because you spoke about the mindfulness. You spoke about trust. You spoke about that ownership. And just taking it back to your birth story for a second, if you would have been in an emotional state of chaos, and dysregulation. There's no way you could have accessed that trust and surrender and relationship with Hashem. And you also spoke about mindfulness and motherhood. If you're a mother and you're in also that internal state of chaos, it's impossible to look at Hashem and say, I'm doing this for you because you're so wrapped up in like the chaos of the moment that you can't really access that deeper mindfulness. Yeah. Beautiful, Elisa. It felt so real. So thank you. It's God's now. Oh, nice. Every moment is an opportunity for connection with God. An opportunity for trust and growth. The past is there to learn from. The future belongs to God. The only thing that is really yours is this moment. Right now. What will you do with it? How do you want to show up? Take a deep breath. God is inviting you in. Do not be so consumed with the outcome. Just right now, for a single moment. Can you trust? Can you stay calm? Can you breathe? Can you choose God? the past is there to learn from. The future belongs to God. The only thing that is really yours is this moment right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Human and Holy or via email at human and holy at gmail.com new episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or a review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.